Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Two down, one to go, as the Colts are two-thirds of the way through the preseason, improving to 2-0. Of course, these games don't mean anything, but they do find a way to win another preseason game, 12-10 over the Minnesota Vikings. And when you look at our five things to watch, Ellinger got the start. I didn't think he played necessarily well. I thought he took a step back from last week, two picks. Wasn't able to drive the field, wasn't able to get in the end zone. Eason comes in. I thought he digressed from where he was last week to this week. Does play better, I would say, as the game goes on. Finds a way to get us in field goal range a couple times. Also not able to find the end zone. Does enough to get in field goal range. The Colts do kick four field goals. Winning this game by two points. You look on the defensive side of the football with the young pass rushers. We saw Quiddy Pay make his preseason debut, getting in the backfield, getting a sack. Bam Banagoo, very active in this game. Alquadine active in this game. Offensive tackle, I thought Davenport was better. I thought he was solid to start this game. We saw starters out there, which was good to see. And the wide receiver battle, it was tough for them because neither quarterback was necessarily that good. But as the game went on, we saw Patman make plays. And that battle is continuing. It's continuous. It's still ongoing for the young receivers battling to make this roster. So we'll go through it in more depth as we get into the Week 2 game recap. Colts-Vikings 12-10 is your final. And we are now two-thirds of the way through the preseason. Yeah, I think there was a lot of good things about this game. But, you know, to start with, I thought both quarterbacks were very mediocre. Uh, I thought Ellinger obviously turned the ball over, made some bad throws. He did lead them. I thought he – I mean, he has a good grasp of the offense, and I thought he moved the ball well, but he still has brain fart moments where he makes bad decisions, and you can't do it. You just can't do it. And then Eason was absolutely awful for most of the time he was out there until the end throwing laser beams all over the field to, you know, check down balls that were thrown 100 miles an hour, balls that were thrown behind the receiver. I I just thought it was absolutely just not a good night for either one of them. Uh, The one good thing about Eason is he doesn't seem to turn the ball over, you know, via interception. Ellinger had two tonight. I think Eason had that one fumble in the first game, but he did protect the ball tonight, didn't have any turnovers. So that's a positive. But overall, I thought it was a huge step back. I thought Ellinger – he moved the ball, but he just made decisions that you can't make. He tried to force some balls in there. You know, you could maybe argue there was interference, but I mean, you just can't make those throws in a in a crowded situation like he did. And then Eason, like you know, like I said, he he was just all over the place. Had happy feet again, throwing everything just too too damn hard. You know, the one bright spot I thought that you mentioned was Patman. He had a nice game, four catches for sixty yards. But really, outside of him, nobody else really had that great of a game. And I attribute that to the bad quarterback play. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. Neither guy really stood out to me. Yeah, Easton drove down the field and and got him the the field goal. But when you go four quarters with two quarterbacks and you don't get one touchdown, that's not a good sign. So definitely a lot to, you know, those guys have to work on, get better at. But as far as uh, the rest of the team, I thought they were good. The defense was outstanding. I didn't give up a touchdown. D-line was really good. Banigou was outstanding. You know, I saw Chris Williams and Brown in there making plays. And then you mentioned Quiddy getting his first sack. That was great to see. 
Defense was really great. Special teams was solid. I mean, really, the offense was the problem in this game, and that's what they're they really have to get fixed because that's not good enough. That effort wasn't good enough. I thought the offensive line was. We talked about that needed to improve. I thought they were really, really good and solid in pass protection. Uh, run game wasn't great, but protected the quarterback pretty well. You know, had some bad, you know, bad plays in there. Tevi got abused a couple times in the second half. But overall, I thought the the offensive line took a step in the right direction. I definitely think Julian Davenport is the guy to beat at left tackle. He played a really, really solid game. Tevi might not make the team. He looked horrible again in the third and fourth quarter when he was out there. So. You know, as bad as we were on offense, I thought the defense was really good. The D-line was really active. They found a way to win. I guess there's something to be said for that. The kickers were good. You know, really solid competition between those two guys. Really the only bad moment any either one of them's had is Pinheiro kicking the ball out of bounds. So, you know, a lot of things positive in this game. Not very many penalties. A lot of positives. People are going to focus on the quarterbacks as they should. But there were a lot of positives in this game that I take from it on both sides of the ball. But at the end of the day, like everybody's going to look at the quarterback competition, and it was just there's no way to uh, there's no way to put it. It was a step back for both of them. Absolutely, and that's where we're going to start. We're starting with the quarterbacks and the quote unquote battle of the competition that they've had up until this point for what might be the backup job to Wentz week one and sitting behind Wentz week one if he's ready. And hopefully, and I tweeted it out during the game. How's your foot doing at Carson Wentz? Because last week you got to feel good. Like, hey, you know what? If Wentz misses the first week, the first couple weeks, we might be able to hold serve. Today you feel polar opposite. You feel like you'll never win a game until Wentz comes back. So Ellinger last week, 15 passes. Today, 13 passes. 28 passes, three interceptions. That's an awful ratio. He's throwing one pick less than every 10 passing attempts you cannot do that in the national football league especially when he's only started one of those two games so last week he was going up against threes and fours today he's going up against starters but minnesota's missing five starters so you're going up against half a starting defense and you throw two picks in your first three or four drives that's inexcusable easton comes in i don't want to make an excuse for easton but i still would have liked to have seen him start this game he had good momentum from last week i feel like we kind of ruined that by having him come off the bench and then you have him come off the bench with backups and if he's starting week one he's going to be starting with the starter so i would like to see him build some chemistry with those guys but i thought it was a big step back for both quarterbacks, it hurt the momentum offensively. And we got, like you said, better offensive line play. Davenport was solid. And it just screwed up the momentum of this offense. And it was tougher to see other guys we would have liked to have seen at the receiver position and other positions that are battling it out because they almost don't get a fair shake because both quarterbacks were so shaky. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough, man. I mean, look... Uh... It's kind of – I don't – I'm not going to make any excuses for either one of them. I thought, you know, you can't turn the ball over like Ellinger has. He's ha- He just has too many bad throws. He's got a good grasp of the offense. He's got good poise. But like you said, you cannot throw three interceptions in 28 attempts. That's not going to win you any games. And so, um, you know, and in Easton, my thing with him is more mechanical. His feet are all over the place, and when he does that, I think he tries to overcompensate with his arm and – then he's off target. Everything he threw for the majority of this game was hard and behind the receivers. You know, there's no excuse for that. You got to be on time. You got to put it out in front of the guy. He was just late with everything. His, I mean, he was just, 
I don't know what it was. I don't know if he was trying too hard, but either either way, it wasn't good. The one thing I will say for him is he doesn't he doesn't turn the ball over. I mean, he had one ball that I think should have been intercepted that wasn't. But other than that, I mean, he does take pretty good care of the ball. Out of the two of them, he's obviously the more physically gifted guy. But it's kind of like you, you can't be a creature of the moment. Like I, I see a lot of writer, writers that were like, you know, Jacob, like Greg Doyle had an article saying that he thought Jacob Beeson should start after two quarters, which is absolutely insane on any level. And then now after this game, he's probably going to say, oh, we got to go sign, you know, Nick Foles or trade for Nick Foles. You can't be a prisoner of the moment. The, these are all growing pains for these guys. And as much as, you know, I want them to succeed, I still believe you learn more from failure. And not that I'm happy they failed, but I think there's a lot to learn from these experiences, especially for Eason, because I think he I, I just think he's got the step up in the competition to be the backup. But he's got to be better. And obviously, Ellinger's got to be better. I think, you know, it's just a, it's it's a growing pains with young quarterbacks. It's never going to be unless you have a blue chip guy that's, you know, a top five. And even that's not guaranteed. It, it's never going to be a smooth ride with a rookie quarterback. And these two guys, I consider both of them rookies. So I'm not going to be a prisoner of the moment and just write off both of these guys because they haven't played well and they didn't play well in this game. I mean, They've shown they can do really good things. They've shown they can play poorly. We just got to, you know, let those guys go out there, play, get experience. That's the most important thing. Snaps, live game reps. You know, it wasn't a good performance, but there's always next week. And let's just hope Carson gets back because at the end of the day, that's what this team is banking on. They're banking on Carson Wentz being, you know, the guy. So hopefully we can get him back sooner than later and we won't have to worry about this, you know, too much. But, as far as tonight goes, obviously it was a step back, but it's one game, one bad performance. It's not the end of the world. I think people need to keep perspective and uh, realize that, you know, these guys are rookies. They're going to have bad games. Next week is another opportunity. I don't know what the plan is going to be. I would suspect you're going to see Ellinger and maybe Hunley, or maybe you see Hunley the entire game. I have no idea. But, you know, it's one game. They didn't play well. Obviously, you want them to play better. Uh, but they got the experience, and that's a positive, and they made mistakes. That's not a positive, but you can learn from them, and that, that is a positive. So it depends on how you look at everything. I'm a glass-half-full guy for the most part, so you know I just want to see these guys continue to get reps, continue to get better. They obviously took a step back. Everybody saw that, but it's always an opportunity the next game. So we have one more game left. Hopefully they'll both get some snaps in that game, and they'll play a lot better. Absolutely, and as far as the positives go on the offensive side of the ball, I thought Patman was great, four catches for 60 yards. So he's had back-to-back -back solid performances in the preseason, and he hasn't had the greatest camp, which is absolutely promising. And if you go back to last year, he was a healthy scratch most weeks, but they kept him on the 53-man. So obviously they liked him a lot last week, and he's making his impact. We saw a couple starters, Pascal had a couple catches early in this game. No T.Y., no Taylor, so we were still missing a bunch of guys as well. But as far as like starting guys go, I thought Pascal played well early in this game. And then Davenport, like you also touched on, we touched on earlier, Davenport looks solid. Tevi shouldn't make this roster. I would only carry two of these backup tackles, and I would keep Fries. I wouldn't want to lose Fries to keep a tackle. Because the way I view it, Jason, if somehow Davenport and Holden or one of them were to go down... You'd be at a point where if you needed to pick up a tackle week three or four, 
anybody that you pick up would have to be better than Tevi at this point. So what's the point of keeping the dead weight on the roster? Hell, Fries could probably bounce out and play tackle better than Tevi at this point, and he played a little bit of right tackle in college. So that was an improvement. We did see improvements on the offense. It just was kind of dampered by the fact that the quarterbacks took a step back, but I don't want that to distract and blindside us from other positives on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, no question. I thought, uh, you know, Davenport was good. I thought for the most part the O-line was good. I thought Davenport's actually impressed me. Had a rough one last week, came back, played much better this week. You know, Tevi just got abused. He just gets abused. I mean, in pass pro, he's so bad. I mean, uh, Willeek's kid out of Michigan State literally just picked him up and threw him and damn near killed Jacob Eason. He can't make this. I mean, I I, I don't know how he's going to make it. I, I He's out there. He's playing late and he's still getting abused. It's just he, – he just – I wouldn't keep him on the roster. I don't know what they're going to do because I would want the – if we're taking eight linemen or nine or whatever it's going to be, I want the best nine. Not, you know, okay, he's a tackle. We'll take him just because he's a tackle. I, I don't want that. He's he's terrible. And like you said, you can go out probably on the waiver wire and find somebody better than him that got gets cut. I mean, Roderick Johnson got cut by the Texans this week. He's better than Sam Tebby is. So, but it, like you said, there were positives on the offense. I mean, um, Pasco had a couple of nice plays. I mean, like you said, Patman, I mean, he's just gone out and made plays in the two games he's been in. So there have been positives. It's just when your quarterbacks play like ours did, like you said, man, it's, that's going to, I mean, that's going to be a glowing, it's going to be a glowing weakness. I mean, no matter, you can have Jerry Rice and Randy Moss out there, but if the quarterbacks can't get them the ball, it doesn't matter. So. You know, a lot of positives in this game, but, you know, the, especially in offense as, as far as, like, the, the few positives we did have were kind of overshadowed by the, the, the lack of good quarterback play. So very important for those guys, the line, and, and everybody else to keep playing like they're playing. Hopefully the quarterbacks will pick it up next week, uh, whoever's out there. But there were positives. I don't want people to, you know, go through this game and, and look at the score and say, oh, there weren't positives. There definitely were positives. You know, hopefully Julian Davenport can play well again next week and, you know, he can hold the fort down until Fisher gets back whenever that may be. But I I think without question, everybody hopes Carson Wentz gets well as fast as possible, because even if Eason is the better of the two, he's still clearly got a ways to go. So hopefully Carson, you know, I'm hearing I mean, everybody's hearing the same thing that, you know, he's close to coming back or he's close to start being able to do things, walkthroughs, all that stuff. I'm hoping, I mean, because we have, I think, almost two weeks between, or maybe it is two weeks between our last preseason game and our and our opener with Seattle. I hope that's enough time to get them ready. I really hope he can come back because I, I think these guys, I like both of them, but I think they're, they're very, very raw and it's going to take some time. Yeah, and I actually like the way the NFL structured this. I'm not a fan of the 17th game. I never wanted four preseason games, so I'm fine with them taking one away. Does one preseason equal one regular season? No, of course not, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. As far as the three preseason, 17 regular season, I like the gap from that third preseason to week one with or without the state of our quarterback. That's not playing a factor for just the overall way the NFL set this up. So I actually do like that where you could still have your week three dress rehearsal and not have those guys turn around in six, seven days and play 
a live week one NFL game. So I am a fan of that. And hopefully it works out to our benefit this year with the timetable of Carson Wentz. We could get back out there week one and start against Seattle because I'm sure they're going to want some type of run throughs or 11 on 11 or something to catch him up to game speed because obviously he won't be able to compete in the preseason. At least I would be stunned if he somehow came back next week. That's not going to happen, so don't even worry about it. But it would be great to get him back week one, especially after what we saw from the quarterbacks today. Let's flip sides of the field now. And defensively, the number one thing we were looking for on defense, because in the pregame, I think three or four of our keys, things to watch, were offensive, besides starters, which was kind of on both sides of the ball. But the one key we had on defense was the pass rush was pressure on the quarterback and we got that pressure today Alquadine in the backfield Ben Banigou had a great game getting after the quarterback he was making plays TFLs a sack I mean he had the one play where their quarterback I forgot which quarterback it was but it might have been Mond he tripped Banigou was back there and then he made another play two plays later to get off the field on third down so I thought he was really solid today for the Colts and Quiddy Pay. The first round pick out of Michigan, making a play his first game in the pros, getting back there, getting a sack, absolutely manhandling his left tackle, getting to the quarterback and getting the sack, picking up his first NFL sack. Of course, it doesn't count. It's a preseason sack, but getting his first sack of the preseason. And he looks like a guy who is physically like, you know, every guy drafted in the first round, you anticipate them having the talent, the speed, everything that it's going to take one day to be a great NFL player. But he has that grown man strength right out the gate, which some guys have to develop that. Quiddy Pay already has that, and he put that out on display today, basically bull rushing his tackle, throwing him out of the way, and getting to the quarterback. Yeah, before I jump into any of the defense, I just want to say this to the friend of the show, Matt Eberflus, who obviously still dealing with some COVID-related stuff, uh, wasn't there tonight. Uh, we hope you get well soon, man. Uh, miss you seeing you out there. And I just wanted to kind of point that out because he's he's missed two games, and I, I, I'm sure he'll be back for Detroit, but I, I think it needed to be said that uh, we wish him well. But as far as tonight goes, Alan Williams was solid as far as the coordinator goes. And you mentioned Quiddy. Michigan absolutely misused him. If you go back and look at the film with him, they did not use him correctly and put him in advantageous positions to rush the quarterback. This D-line with Chris, with Raish and, and Brian Baker and those guys, they're going to put him in position to make plays. It was great to see him make that play tonight, that, that get that pressure. He had, I think he had another pressure in this game. But the guy I want to talk about is the guy everyone's talking about, uh, and that's Ben Banigou. What a night. He was outstanding from beginning to end. He affected the quarterback. He got sacks. He made plays, TFLs. That's what I wanted to see from him. I asked for it, and he said, you know what? I hear you, Jason. I'm going to give it to you. So uh, I think he was the player of the game. I think he did everything you wanted to see him do. He certainly earned a, ro uh, a roster spot. I don't think that's any question now with what he's put out there on on film and also what he's done during training camp so very excited about uh, about uh quiddy but also very excited about banagoo because you know this is his third year we've mentioned that we needed to see it more we saw it tonight that's a huge step in the right direction i thought all those guys on the d-line were really really active i thought williams brown buck was in there a little bit alquadine muhammad made some plays you know even uh, isaac rochelle made a nice play for tackle for a loss so i thought 
going into the game, I wanted to see more pressure, and they, they pressured them all game. They were really, really solid. A little leaky in the run defense at times. But when you don't give up any touchdowns and really, what, three three points? Really? Three points? I mean, that, yeah, I would say three because seven yeah, came I off the Ellinger pick. Yeah, yeah. So three points they gave up. I mean, that's you're going to win a lot of NFL games playing like that. And mm-hmm. I thought, just to mention a couple other other guys that I kind of thought stood out to me, I thought Rock Yasen played really well. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he had a really outstanding pass breakup early in the game on a, on a slant route in the slot. And I thought, really, he had a pretty solid game, and I, I was it was encouraging to see that. Another guy is a guy I think is going to make the team that Flus has mentioned and you know, pressers previous to this, uh, Andre Cheshire, I think is how you pronounce his name. I hope that's right. I'm going to make sure I find out what it is, you know, so I can get this guy's name right because he's he's playing well. I mean, he had some really great tackles in this game, some solid coverage. Uh, I think you're looking at maybe the, the fifth safety or fourth safety. Who knows? But um, he played well. Overall, man, I mean, you really can't say much bad about the defense. I thought they played outstanding football, really, you know, didn't have too many things that I saw other than there were two or three, you know, 15-yard runs maybe, kind of leaky run D for, for a couple of plays, but they they locked that right back down. And so, I mean, I don't have a lot of bad, nothing to say bad about the defense. I thought without their head guy, you know, without Flus out there, and he's he's really, you know, really close to a lot of these guys, and he leads those guys without having him. They've played pretty well for two games, so uh, I got to give a lot of kudos to Alan Williams, who picked up the the slack for for Flus and those players. Just have, have really, you know, went out there and played well. They got better from week one to week two, and hopefully we'll see from week two to, to week three. But I would say they were they were they were they, they were dominating at some points of that game. So mm-hmm. uh, I think they did a really good job. I think our defense is going to be the bell cow of this team. I think it can be a top five, maybe even a top three defense if we stay healthy. Knock on wood. Love what I saw from these guys tonight, and a lot of them aren't even starters. So defense was big time. That's the reason we got the win. But like you said, who cares about the wins? It's about how we play. And I thought our defense played the way we play. We flew around, you know, made some plays. Only I think only one turnover at the end of the game, but I thought they really played outstanding, tackled well. Just a good showing by our by our guys. So something positive. A lot of I mean, a lot of positives from this game especially on the defensive side of the ball. But for me, Ben Banigo was the big story. Just absolutely just was destroying whoever they put in front of him. Yeah, and we called him out in the pregame. We called him out and we said he's making plays every day in practice. We're not at practice. We can't see the practices, although we do see clips from practice. And we basically said, is it just because you're going up against Sam Tevy every day? Is that why you're so good in practice? Why is it not translating? Of course, we're talking about one game last week, so maybe it was an overreaction. You could also say today might be an overreaction because, again, it's one good game, one bad game last week, one good game this week. But we finally saw it. We finally saw him take it from the practice field. He had a couple sacks the other day in practice. Continuing his great training camp, we needed to see it in one of these three games, hopefully two. Hopefully it carries over now into Detroit. But he was fantastic today, so I'm glad because we called him out. He goes out. And he obviously executes on the field, which is what we wanted to see. I thought the third down defense, I'm actually looking for the numbers right now because I thought our third down defense today was fantastic. Yeah, it was. Minnesota 2 for 13 on third down. So that just goes to show how good they were today on third down. 
obviously holding them out of the end zone. They scored three points offensively. Seven points came on defense from the pick six. So I was really impressed with the defense. And they're still missing starters. No Leonard today. So it's not like we were at full strength defensively. We're missing an all-pro in the middle of our defense. So we're still missing guys that hopefully we get back next week and we see a full defense. Or You don't need to see it next week. But obviously for week one, we want to see that full defense with Fluce. Hopefully Fluce is back for Detroit for sure. And then we get a full team, all 11-plus, out there for week one. But, yeah, really solid showing from the defense. And then to keep this short and sweet, the last thing I guess we'll touch is the kickers because neither kicker has missed a kick in training camp in 11-11 or in the preseason. So we have two guys really battling it out and two deep kicks today, I think, 46 and 50. So not chip shots were seeing both these guys kick deep in this kicking battle, which is really going down to the wire. No question, man. I Listen, we got two NFL kickers on our roster. And so Eddie Pinero is going to get picked up by somebody. What I'm hoping is there's two teams that want Eddie Pinero. We can trade him for a seventh round <laughs> pick. That'd, That'd be, be great. Wonderful. That's, also, that's also probably, uh, that's probably a little bit of uh Wishful thinking, thinking outside the box and think well, it's wishful thinking, but Jason, it really shouldn't be because we saw in 2019 how important kickers are, and there's always a team that struggles to find one, and we do have two at the moment. And I do agree with you, I think that Blankenship it's his job to lose. Basically, they brought in competition for Blankenship, and if he doesn't miss a kick, I just have a hard time seeing somebody else also not missing a kick, taking a job away from him, coming off a rookie season where he was really good last year as a rookie. So I would be surprised if he lost the job, but it would be fantastic if a team wants to trade for Panero and you're able to flip him for a sixth or seventh round pick. Yeah, I mean, that's like you said, it's probably wishful thinking because they'll just wait till we release him. But you never know. As far as those two guys go, you couldn't ask for anything more. I mean, they've made all their kicks. You know, like I mentioned earlier in the show, the only real drawback was Panero kick, you know, kicking the ball out of bounds on the kickoff. That was not good. But as far as just kicking the ball, they've both been really, really good. Rod's been good, and so has Pinero. So it's nice to have two guys that you believe you that that can do the job for you. And honestly, if something were to happen to Rod, God forbid, in the next game, I would feel completely comfortable with Pinero kicking for us this this season. So we're in a good advantageous position with those two guys. Just to mention the special teams in general, I thought I think our special teams are, are very underrated, you know, as far as nationally. I think our special teams coach does an outstanding job, Bubba Ventron, with our special teams. You saw his assistant get hired in Philadelphia. I think it was Philly, or maybe it was uh, – no, wait, it was uh, Houston, my bad. His assistant last year got the job in Houston as a special teams coordinator. So a lot of good coaches on this staff, and they and you can tell these players are very well coached. We cover kicks well, we cover punts well, and we you know we, we punt well. Rigoberto was good tonight. He penned them d- deep late in the game when they had no timeouts. Really, I thought we dominated the game outside of one facet, which was our offense, which, you know – when you kick four field goals, it's not a great night. But uh, nonetheless, we find a way to win. And, and, I mean, I thought we dominated really in the other two phases of the game, when, which is defense and special teams. And sometimes you're going to have to win games like that. So, you know, 
do I feel great about the the offense or the quarterback performance? No, but I do feel really, really much better about our offensive line, our D line, a lot of these backups getting experience. Like we said, there's a lot of positives. You look at the score, you don't think there's a lot, but I really think, you know, the D guys, the defensive guys getting out there and just, just playing their butts off and really doing a good job getting to the quarterback and, and making it hard for them to complete passes. And like you said, two or 13 on third down, that's going to win you a lot of games. So it uh, took a lot of po- – I mean, it's crazy in a third – what, a 12 to 10 game, but I took a lot of positives from this game. And so uh, as far as the quarterbacks go, they just got to get – they got to get back to work. Take what the coaches tell you. Try to take that from the, the video room or the – you know, tape room and, and take that out on the field and try to get better. That's all you can do as a young player. People have to remember Jacob Eason is a rookie. Basically he did not get many snaps last year. He was in a lot of meetings, which I, which I think helps him, but it's not the same as being out on the field. So I consider what we have basically rookies. So you're going to have to be patient because they're going to make mistakes and they're going to have bad games, but there is something to like about both of these guys. And they both have shown that they can play well. That is the positive. The negative is there's nights like tonight. Yep. So next week is our third and final preseason game at Detroit. We have two weeks off to prepare for week one at home. Lucas Oil Stadium taking on Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. We'll be back this week with the week three preseason game preview. Colts, Lions, third and final preseason game of the year right here on the for the culture podcast today's episode of the for the culture podcast is brought to you by our friends at candidates cbd they are the nation's leader in tobacco and nicotine free dip it's the alternative with cannabis instead of nicotine and tobacco it's a fast acting and innovative way to consume cbd that works and tastes great plus you won't have to play sneak at you with your wife during football season which is right around the corner and thanks to our friends at canadip cbd they present the game of the year that's right the game of the year one winner will be chosen on august 31st entry is easy you just head to canadips cbd.com that's c-a-n-n-a-d-i-p-s cbd.com and click the link or visit candidates main instagram page and look for the blue check mark one winner will be chosen and can bring a plus one to any colts game this regular season that's right they are picking one winner on august 31st to bring a plus one to a colts game of your choosing this regular season but wait there's more airfare for two with luxury hotel and lodging will be included with great seats for the game guys i don't know why you wouldn't head to canadipscbd.com check them out on instagram check them out on twitter canadips that's c-a-n-n-a-d-i-p-s cbd.com it's like dip you put a little bit behind your lip no nicotine, no tobacco, no reason to not go check these guys out and enter to win a free ticket to any Colts regular season game of your choosing. You get to bring a friend, you could bring a girl, you could bring your buddy, you could bring whoever you want. The lodging, the airfare, it's luxurious, it's free. Go to CanadipsCBD.com. We thank our friends at CanadipsCBD for sponsoring this episode of the For the Culture Podcast.